Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton, a 19-year-old from the Bay Area studying psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. She Persisted is the teen mental health podcast made for teenagers by a teen. In each episode, I'll bring you authentic, accessible, and relatable conversations about every aspect of mental wellness. You can expect evidence-based teen-approved resources, coping skills, including lots of DBT, insights, and education in each piece of content you consume. She Persisted offers you a safe space to feel validated and understood in your struggle while encouraging you to take ownership of your journey and build your life worth living. So let's dive in. Hello, hello, and welcome back to She Persisted. Today's episode is all about sleep, one of my favorite things. I am still struggling with my sleep, which you will hear about in this episode, but this conversation was so helpful and enlightening, and I had so many tips that I've implemented since this conversation and will continue to implement. So our guests today are Heather Turgeon and Julie Wright. They are marriage and family therapists that specialize in sleep training. They wrote one book for sleep training for infants and newborns and another for teenagers and why teens struggle so much with sleep. That one's called Generation Sleepless. I highly recommend you check it out and also follow them on Instagram. All of the links will be in today's show notes, but let's learn about sleep. Thank you so much, Julie and Heather, for joining me today on She Persisted. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Of course, of course. So to start off, I'd love to hear about your backgrounds and how you started working in the field of mental health and specializing in sleep. So Julie, if you want to start and then Heather as well. Sure. Yeah. Heather and I are both psychotherapists, marriage and family therapists, and we met, we were talking about this the other day, we must have met around 16, 17 years ago, we were both leading classes, we were each leading our own class for like moms with new babies. Mm -hmm. And we, we kept meeting each each other outside the classroom and we kept saying we should have coffee, we should have coffee. And so finally, one day we had coffee and that was that was the end of it. We could not stop talking. We were both really interested in sleep. We were really like-minded on why we thought a new book about sleep for babies and young children, which was our first book. We wrote a book called mm-hmm. The Happy Sleeper, why, why it was needed. Cause there's tons of, you. I don't know if you know this, but there's tons of books on that already written, but yeah. we really felt like there was something new to say and that the, the sleep sort of wars that parents were engaging in or, or being a victim to were unnecessary. So it's relevant to our discussion today too, that one of our main messages is that sleep is natural. Our bodies yeah. are built to sleep. Our bodies want to sleep. The, the reason, main reasons we don't sleep is that something external is getting in the way and we just need to get that out of the way so our bodies can do what they're already very hardwired to do. I love that. Heather, how did you start working in the mental health field, being a psychotherapist and specializing in sleep as well? Well, we I, I started writing about sleep for the National Sleep Foundation as a columnist. And then I was doing a lot of research on sleep. And then I had kids and Julie and I started working with young families on sleep. But the more we got into our practice and started working with families of young kids and then slightly older kids, and then our population grew, the more, and and also looking at the research on sleep and sleep deprivation, the more it became clear that teenagers are the ones that are suffering the most. They suffer far worse sleep deprivation than any other population on the planet and anyone ever in human history. So when we started to gather that data and just see how sleep declines so sharply when kids hit 
really middle school is when it really picks up and becomes mm -hmm. pretty, and then it becomes most acute in high school yeah. and it's happening all over the globe. And, you know, we just felt like, oh my God, we have to write this book. We, you know, baby sleep is easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> teenagers that really need the help. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it is that there's such a sharp decline? I remember anecdotally experiencing that where I got to middle school and it wasn't that it was like cool to not be sleeping, but I was like, there are better uses of my time. I can text my friends. I can be on FaceTime. Like mm -hmm. it almost felt like it was like a secondary thing that I had to do. And the priority was schoolwork. It was connecting with other people. And it that was definitely around like middle school, high school that that came up. And even into college, it's still something where it's like, well, I have an assignment due. I have something that I have to have ready at 8 a.m. the next morning when I show up to class. So why do you guys think that is that teenagers do experience that decline universally? So we describe in the book what we call a perfect storm. And you've mentioned quite a few of the factors just then. So one of the first one is biological. Starting in adolescence, teenagers have a natural shift in their body clock, meaning their melatonin and other sleepiness hormones release later in the evening. Just not tired yet. Just yeah. not tired yet. But of course, because the body is not ready to go to sleep until a little bit later, body needs to sleep a little bit later. So, mm -hmm. so we have this natural shift and then we have increased homework, ballooning homework for some students, increased activities, you know, some, some kids pile on activities just to show up well on their college you know, applications, then you add, so this is pushing bedtime later and later, all these activities, all this homework, this natural shift in the biological clock, then you add technology to that mix. Bedtime is getting later and later and later and later. And then on the other side of the night, high schools, most high schools in our country start too early. So the sleep gets squeezed from both ends, making it just mathematically impossible to get even close to the, even the, you know, just the the sort of baseline amount of sleep that that teenagers can get by with we we would love to see teenagers sleep between nine and ten hours a night i know mm -hmm. that sounds like pie in the sky but so there's this perfect storm of factors that are really compromising teen sleep and it's not you know some of these are societal factors like you know school start times and too much homework and ridiculous expectations from college admissions those are things that we want society to change but we also, because, because it's what we do, we also can help people a lot with making change in the home, you yeah. know, right away. Before we dive into that, I have a random question about baby toddler sleep. Whenever I've taken intro to psychology, the sleep unit and the attachment styles unit are pretty close because they're jamming so many things together. And there's like this anecdotal story that I've heard twice now where when you're doing sleep training and the baby just cries and cries and cries, the cortisol levels and the parents decrease when the baby stops crying after a couple of nights of doing sleep training, but it doesn't decrease in the baby. So the baby just learns to not express, like cry and be like, please come get me out of the crib, whatever, because it knows no one's going to come and get it out of the crib. And then it gets linked to attachment styles and it's like, there's not a response. There's not a parent that's like responding to that concern. Is that like accurate to say that sleep training in that way is not effective and it leads to attachment style shifts later on? Or is that just like total random psychology 101 stuff that's you getting are, taught? You are absolutely getting to the heart of our first book, The Happy Sleeper. Okay. You, I mean, we could do a whole podcast episode on baby sleep and attachment. Mm -hmm. 
But I think what you're describing in terms of cortisol levels is more of a theoretical based on abuse and neglect and mm-hmm. what happens if babies are chronically not responded to. Versus um, just not wanting to go to sleep. Versus yeah. not wanting to go yeah. to sleep, not wanting to say goodnight, not, you know, preferring to to sleep with the parent or preferring to stay, you know, and having the frustration of not having what they want in the moment. Yeah. But yeah. what we help parents with is, a very repetitive and almost hypnotic response. Mm-hmm. So we never have parents don't not respond to the baby, yeah. but we have them respond in a really predictable way mm-hmm. so that the baby goes, oh, okay, I get it. This is what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, interesting. So we, Random yeah, question I had. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, yeah. We have the parent respond in such a predictable way that the baby is not happy for sure. Yeah. They're, they protest, but what they never feel is I wondering where you are. Now Mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm getting worried. Now I'm getting fearful. So we keep them far away from the the worrisome emotions. And just after a while, they know you're there because you respond in this very pretty frequent way. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like they get mad because they know you're there. Yeah. But it's different from the kind of what you're talking about in true, what was called like cry it out approaches where people Mm -hmm. just, you know, where their parents are told to just shut the door and not go in. And yeah, we wrote the book because one of the main reasons we wrote the book was we really wanted parents to know that there was a way to get the child sleeping independently that did not involve anything even close to that. Yeah, yeah. So we touched a little bit on sleep deprivation and how that's not a great thing to happen and there are consequences for that for teens. What happens when we don't get enough sleep, whether it's just like chronically in high school, you're getting one to two hours less versus on the other end of the extreme when you're pulling all nighters and cramming for exams and really disrupting your sleep schedule? Yeah. So, well, the the average amount of sleep that a high schooler needs is a, it ideally would be nine to 10, but we describe, we, we say eight is adequate and that's because under eight hours a night, you start to see correlation with a lot of negative effects. So the risk of depression goes up, anxiety, stress hormones, or the the body goes into a stress response when you're low on sleep. And, but the average high schooler gets about six hours a night. So we're talking about two to three hours chronically of sleep deprivation throughout the course of the week, piling up to, you know, 12 hours by the end of the week. And that level of sleep loss, what, I mean, there's so many things that it does. One is that while you're awake, your brain releases a lot of byproducts of activity. So you, that's like waste or toxic, you know, toxic buildup in your brain. Mm-hmm. And then when you fall asleep, this kind of cleaning mechanism gets turned on and mm-hmm. it starts to wash that waste away throughout the time that you're asleep. So when you don't sleep enough, essentially you've got waste buildup in your brain Mm-hmm. that is not properly, you know, cleansed out. And that kind of makes sense, right? When you think about how you feel when you are sleep deprived, yeah, it's like, like foggy, foggy and you're yeah. sick, you feel almost so sick, right? Mm-hmm. And that that really, for me, that's kind of like an aha moment of, <laughs> wait a minute, that's how it feels to be sleep deprived. So mm-hmm. imagine that in a chronic way over the course of the week. So the risk of, you know, kids who sleep six hours a night are, twice as likely to have symptoms of depression. It really changes the lens that you see the world through. So you're more likely to have a negative assumption about, you know, somebody does something, you're more likely to interpret it in a negative way. You're more likely to feel hopeless about the future and just 
not feeling like the creative juice of I can solve this problem. I can do this. So the ties to mental health are just, there are so many. I, I, Julie and I really feel strongly that if we could get teens more sleep, it would go a long way towards solving the mental health crisis that we hear so much about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, sleep also helps with processing emotions through dreams. Mm-hmm. When we dream, our, our brains consolidate positive memories and sort of dampen down more negative memories. And when, when teenagers have to wake up you know, hours before their bodies want to wake up, the sleep they most miss out on is dream sleep. So they're missing out on this really important emotional processing, filtering things out, organizing. There's so much that happens during sleep, how memories are formed and how memories mm-hmm. are stored. So we forget things more easily when we yeah, don't sleep Yeah, it makes well. me think of the like inside out where they're cataloging all the memories. Some are going to yeah. long term, some yeah. are going to like core memories when you're sleeping. That's yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think that's so interesting and anecdotally from my own experience there are so many things that you're mentioning that were true. When I was in residential treatment one of their biggest priorities at the beginning was to get my sleep back on track because I was super I was a major insomniac. I would like just sit in bed and read all night. I couldn't fall asleep and then I would just nap all day because I didn't want to engage. I was tired. I was lethargic from the depression and I was isolated and so there was like this like double issue of like not being able to fall asleep and then sleeping way too much during the day and as soon as I was able to get like a consistent night routine down where I could go to bed at a reasonable time and then get up in the morning and have somewhere to go and have that sense of purpose and go to therapy during the day it was like night and day and it was Mm -hmm. really quickly that I saw a decrease in how how intense my suicidal thoughts were how frequent they were whether I was waking up feeling depressed or if I just maybe felt a depressive moment throughout the day and so that is something that now I am always paying attention to and it's funny like I notice like if we have an early wake up when my family and I are traveling like there's been times at the airport and I'm like crying I'm like I just want to go to sleep like I'm so emotionally vulnerable because it's something I'm so sensitive to and work so hard to prioritize but as a teen as a college student it can be so hard to do that based on those societal pressures like you guys mentioned I would love to dive into what your tips are that things that people can change things people can prioritize and shift to get better sleep. I know there's the basic things that you always are like, less electronics, don't be in bed, minimal naps, but I'd love to hear what you guys recommend and the research of why those things work. Well, there's there's a lot to say. One of the places to start is to try to make, and I think you experienced this in your, in your treatment, is what we know about the internal clock and our circadian rhythms is that our bodies love regularity. It's not, it's not, doesn't seem too cool or seems kind of boring to be a super regular person, but our bodies really love it. Mm -hmm. So even as a college student, if there's any way you can organize your classes so that you get up at the same time each day, and from that get, from that wake up time, you figure out your bedtime. So I don't know if you say you have to get up at at eight o'clock, you know, we'd love for you to get in bed you know, maybe around 10, 30, 10, 45 and fall asleep close to 11. That would be amazing. Mm -hmm. And then what happens to help that, to help you fall asleep more easily 
at 11 in that scenario would be to get up every morning at eight, even on the weekend, as close as you could. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, like your thoughts on teenagers that will just like sleep till 3 p.m. on the weekend. And it feels like it like catches up to you, that sleep deprivation. Yeah, it feels a little good in that moment. But what happens is you you need to be awake a certain amount of time in order to fall asleep. That's why Mm -hmm. you couldn't fall asleep before when you were sleeping during the day, you were really sabotaging your ability to sleep at night because you you know it was this sort of cycle where you slept yeah. during the day so in order to fall asleep in in our little scenario at around 11 getting up at eight helps your body be awake long enough see when we're awake pressure builds mm-hmm. and you have to build up to a certain level of pressure to fall asleep so when you combine that with a regular bedtime and then also we combine that with what we call a wind down and a bedtime routine. I know that sounds like something you do with babies, but we think that all people could really use them. It's it's really one of our favorite sleep sleep scientists says, you know, you're you shouldn't go to bed like you're landing a plane. Yeah. Or no, you should go to bed like you're landing a plane. It has to come in slowly. <laughs> no like plane crashes. Gonna, you wouldn't yeah, crash yeah, the plane. Yes. You're not going to yes. crash. You're going to like, you have to come in slow. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so winding down, starting to dim the lights, moving into a stress-free zone with whatever that means, no intense content, no intense conversations, mm-hmm. sending signals to your body, making sure your your home is is getting cool. And then moving into a bedtime routine that ideally doesn't include, you know, phones or close held electronics. You could, you can watch a TV show from a distance or read a book, or we like to replace technology with, with fun, pleasurable things so that you're, you're giving yourself a nice routine. Maybe you Mm -hmm. take a warm shower, which helps, you know, helps you fall asleep, but having a routine that you really look forward to so that you have this little sort of prelude to sleep. And then when you get into bed it's much easier to fall asleep if you do all those things. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Sakara. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. They have plant-based, gluten-free, non-GMO meal delivery services, as well as wellness essentials that you can buy online. My two favorite things that I recommend getting are their detox drops. They are little chlorophyll drops that you can add to your water. They don't add a taste, but you get all the benefits of chlorophyll. It's a super easy thing to add to your routine. My other favorite of theirs is their lunches and breakfast. Their lunches are mostly bowls and salads, and they are ready to go delivered to your door for the week. So you don't have to worry about prepping a lunch or cooking something. If you're at home, you have your salad ready to go, and they're delicious with the best of the best ingredients and they taste amazing. Their breakfasts are also so good, so easy, especially if you have a really rushed morning routine, you're on the go, heading to school, work, whatever it is. Highly recommend checking those out. So if you want to check out Sakara, you can use the link in today's show notes or use code XOSADY at checkout for 20% off your first order. Again, code XOSADY at checkout for 20% off your first order of meal delivery and wellness essentials. If people are struggling with insomnia, what is your advice there? Do you just like kind of not sit it out, but like lay it out, count sheep? Are you supposed to get out of bed, then try to like do the whole routine again? Do you just write off the night and kind of wait until morning? Like what's your advice mm-hmm. there? Yeah, it really depends on where the insomnia is coming from and how lo- how many nights and what's going on during the day. We really try to get people to think about the daytime and how it affects your nighttime. Because like Julie was alluding to, people think that sleep starts when you get into bed, 
-hmm. and and when you get out of bed and that's really not true sleep the chemicals for sleep are being um sort of the stages being set all day long so if someone has insomnia and the most common sleep issue for teenagers definitely is difficulty falling asleep that's absolutely the most common thing that teenagers struggle with and that's mm -hmm. partly because what julie said about the shifted biological clock so the the main thing that we get teens to do is wake up at the same time on the weekends don't sleep in more than one hour that's ideal Mm -hmm. So if you are so sleep deprived that you have to sleep in two hours, do that for one day during the weekend, but not two. So don't, okay. you know, Saturday, you could sleep two hours past your regular wake up time. And then Sunday, just one hour and then go outside, even the through the clouds on a cloudy day, the sun is a thousand times more powerful than your indoor lights. Mm -hmm. And it has, we could go into detail on why, but sunlight presses go on the internal clock. So it's a timing cue that tells your brain, okay, the day has started now get ready for the night to come. So okay. it's amazing what your brain is telling you in the morning has to do with your nighttime sleep. So get five to 10 minutes of sun, even if it's cloudy, it's really intense sun. Mm -hmm. And I think those two pieces of advice for teenagers are sometimes, and the, and the cutoff of caffeine, like yeah, that was another question. Like what time Around are two. you? Okay, perfect. Around two. It just depends. The half-life of caffeine is way longer than most people think. So if you're really having trouble falling asleep, the, the waking up within an hour of your morning wake up time, five to 10 minutes of sun and 2 p.m. cutoff for, for caffeine, mm -hmm. along with that wind down that Julie was recommending is, is going to do a lot. And then if you're lying there, I think what you're wondering about is like, if you're lying there, what do you do? Do you get up? Do you? And I just think, you know, sometimes I, I think if I can't sleep, I think to myself, my body will take care of this later. Like I don't have to worry. I try not to worry about it. Cause that's definitely, I, I don't look at my phone and I don't have a clock that I can see the numbers on because I don't want to track it. I don't want to yeah. know. I don't want to know yeah. what time it is. Just live in, in, you know, ignorance is bliss. Like you don't know what time it is. Don't stress. Mm -hmm. Your body is so smart at making up for lost sleep just think about it like oh my god tomorrow night i'm going to sleep extra well because your yeah. body's really smart i mean i think you you know this but one of the hardest things about insomnia is are the negative thoughts yeah and then you like stress yourself out more about not getting enough sleep which right. makes it harder to fall it's like a cycle yeah it's a cycle so you know some people everybody has their way some people do better by getting up and you know sitting in another room and reading until they feel sleepy making sure you're not you know again on a close held device or doing anything stressful another thing we write about in the book is using what we call passive distraction so lying in bed and maybe listening to a not super interesting podcast or something mm -hmm. like that something that's it has to be diverting enough to take your mind off your sort of I like listening brain to the office that's what I'll do I call that's it like my good. personal podcast because I've seen it like six times so it's like there's no like what's happening next I just am listening to like Michael Scott making terrible jokes and I'm like good night and it's just and entertaining just enough to like yes. engage you yeah. but I like not, put the yeah. phone down laying there one airpod in waiting to go to sleep listening to the bad and jokes it, and I've it helps before. right it does it really yeah. really does Julie it's you great. have what's your passive distraction Julie is it is it PBS well I feel bad saying this because it's a podcast that I really do love but like you know like Sadie I've, I've listened to a lot of the episodes yeah. a lot so it's this podcast called how I built this so I choose okay. one I've already heard mm -hmm. and they're long 
and I, and I, I love them. So I listen and I fall asleep so fast when I use a passive distraction like that. I mean, it's really sometimes overwhelming to try to just use pure meditation, which has the same goal, the same Mm -hmm. goal to push your perseverative thoughts out of your mind. So using passive distraction, if you're struggling is really, really helpful to some people. There's this, yeah, that's, there's a ton of podcasts also. The one that I like for like bedtime stories that I never would like label myself is I love a good bedtime story. Like when I remember when I was younger and being read to, I was like, I just want to read it myself because I can get get through the material faster. Like I would get (laughs) bored. And even now with audiobooks, I'm like trying to get back into it. But it's like, I just want to read it because it's faster than listening to it. But there's a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. And it's this like odd utopian town and it's literally they do these hour long episodes about absolutely nothing. Mm. And you just like talk about the news of the town and sometimes there's like weird aliens, but it is a bedtime story with like such minimal plot points that you are bored, but it puts you to sleep. And the the narrator's voice is like very like monotonous. And so you're not like peaked with interest. And that's another good one if you're looking is for a Is that for grownups? Is that one that's meant yeah. for grownups? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Definitely is like an adult target audience. Yeah, for it sounds sure. a little creepy for little kids. Oh, Perfect yeah. Do not adult. put this on for your children. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, what is happening? My 10-year-old would be like, yeah. aliens, what? Yeah, no, yeah, it's definitely, great. definitely for adults I want to check that out yeah but it's it's I would never listen to it during the day ever mm-hmm, like I would right. not be like I'm going on my walk time to listen to Welcome <laughs> to Night Vale but I'm like if I cannot fall asleep and nothing is working I'll put that on for 20 minutes and it's like there we go good to go <laughs> bedtime yeah. story go to sleep but yeah, yeah for the waking up if for teens that are struggling to not just push news on the weekend when there isn't that reason to get up what are your guys's tips is it like mind over matter you just force yourself to get out of bed what do you recommend if that is difficult to do we had, we were just, we did a talk at Yale of like mm-hmm. a month ago and some of the kids had really like one of, one of them said that she puts her phone across her, across the room mm-hmm. with the alarm on so that, and she has a roommate and that, and so she feels yeah. so bad that the yeah. phone is making that noise across this the room year. she's like, ah, like gets up. That's good. Um, and so you can trick yourself that way. Mm -hmm. I think for younger teens, you know, I have a young teen and I, I actually wake him up because I feel like I, so I sneak in and I open the blind. So if you Mm -hmm. can get sunlight on your teen, (laughs) your parent, and and the teen will hate it from personal experience when they They open the blinds, I was like, please stop. Sadie, get vertical. And they know I'm staying horizontal. (laughs) It's really, it's, yeah, we've had a lot of, I was just talking to a some parents about this, that their, their teen was chronically late for school and stressing mm-hmm. out the whole family. And the, the sister relied on him to drive her to school too. Oh, so, no. you know, and no one could get him out of bed in the morning and it's, you know, so you can, you can do things like pull the blinds, you know, if you have, um, you don't snooze because snooze is really not good quality sleep and it can make you groggier. So yeah. putting the alarm across the room is probably a better idea or just enlisting the help of your your family or like I let the dog in sometimes to jump on that's my son. smart yeah yeah that's but, good but it usually has to do with not being able to fall asleep right I mean it's mm-hmm. it's and and also talk to your school you have to tell your school board that it's not acceptable to have school start at 7 45 yeah that's the other piece yeah so. I can't speak from experience I haven't tried this before but I did have a TikTok come up on my for you page 
where it was a girl and she was creating content and she was like, people ask as a deaf person how I wake up in the morning because you can't use a normal alarm. And they make these alarms that they put on the bed and it vibrates the bed. So Um, if you're really struggling and you need your bed to be shaken like an earthquake, this could be an option for you. Like really, really, like really really intense. Like style, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) might might be your solution if you're struggling. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. But we we did touch briefly on naps. I know it's kind of like mixed feelings. Some people are like, if you keep it under 30 minutes or an hour, it's okay. What are your guys' thoughts there? Yeah, you're on the right track there. Not only should naps be fairly short, I think it's Heather's like between 10 and 30 minutes is is ideal. The other thing you want to make sure is that it's not too late in the day for the same Mm -hmm. reason that I was describing earlier. If you nap too late in the day, it's going to push your bedtime because that pressure will not have time to build up mm-hmm. so that you can fall asleep. So, you know, it, it's probably not as relevant in college or it might be if you have a particularly late night, mm-hmm. but for high school students, often there's just, it's impossible for them to get the sleep they need. So we have this yeah. sort of vision of a, like a nap room for, for high school students where they can go at like one or two o'clock. Which for and some people a- is like the math class. Right, right exactly. <laughs> Just me. Exactly. I used to fall asleep in biology, but um, but yeah. I mean, we these things we're talking about difficulty waking up in the morning and the the or you know sleepiness during the day. These are signs of sleep deprived kids. You know, yeah. this yeah. is you know this is what we're hoping to to work against is is that struggle at being like you know ideally we sleep and wake up naturally. You know, mm-hmm. that's an ideal world or at least it's not so hard to wake up. And ideally we don't feel so sleepy during the day, but you know, before we get all the societal change to happen, you know, taking a nap is, is, can be helpful Mm -hmm. to to some people as long as it's not too long or too late. Yeah. If you guys could give like a perfect day that's optimizing for sleep hygiene, like what time are you exercising? What time is your last meal? When is your cup of coffee? What time are you shutting off electronics? How would you set up your schedule? I guess if I I can think about, you know, a younger high schooler who would need to wake up, it really, it's all kind of based on when they have to get up for school. So let's just suppose that they have to wake up at seven. That's pretty, that's, that's a pretty good, you know, healthy, reasonable time to wake up. Most would prefer to wake up around eight or nine, but until we get high schools to start at, you know, 10 AM, which we love. That would do like zero period. And they were like starting at seven. Oh yeah. It's like, I could never. Well, that's it's the crazy. thing is that's an, such an extreme and it, it definitely happens all over the country. So, mm-hmm. but let's say in a, in a kind of healthy world where they wake up at seven and they, you know, get some sun or some cloudy sun, you know, and, and go to school and actually see the sun come up mm-hmm. and sorry, don't see the sun come up, but like experience sun before they get into class because yeah. a lot of kids don't. So getting some sunlight before going into class is really important. Mm-hmm. And so then exercise is kind of, so I would say cut off caffeine by two. I mean, Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, high schoolers aren't really drinking a lot of caffeine, but I definitely see a lot, you know, having like Coke and things that do really impact your sleep. So cutting that off by two and then exercise, it's almost impossible to dictate because sports practice and, you know, dance and things like that are going to dictate when you exercise. sometimes it's like, 
9, 10 p.m. It's insane. Yeah. So again, if we're talking ideal world, all that would probably wrap by seven, mm-hmm. you know, so you could eat dinner and then have wind down time and then electronics. I think it's reasonable if you're waking at seven and your bedtime is, let's say, 1030, that's when you turn off the lights. Mm-hmm. You probably want to have your wind down time, meaning your devices, kind of all your personal devices go off by, let's say, 930. Mm-hmm. You just put your phone, plug it in, in the kitchen. If you're really trying to protect your sleep, which is definitely, I mean, it's so worth it. If you just put that in practice in, in place and say goodnight to your friends and just shut down your electronics at nine 30, plug it into the kitchen and then go watch a movie on the couch in the living room mm-hmm. or go write in your journal or do something, you know, and then turn off your light at let's say 10 30. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's very reasonable. You definitely have to be intentional and make the commitment to prioritize your sleep. But if it really is important to you, and I think especially once you see what it's like to feel rested and to feel like you have more energy, it's something that you're, you're motivated to do and it does feel achievable. Today's episode is brought to you by Nut Pods. Nut Pods creamers are plant-based, Whole30 approved, kosher, non-GMO, vegan, and gluten-free, and they have zero grams of sugar per serving. What I love about Nut Pods is you can stock up on your favorite creamers and because they're plant-based, you don't have to refrigerate them as soon as you buy them. So I'll get like three or four containers. I will keep them in my dorm, but not in the fridge because the mini fridge space is precious. So I will put whichever container I'm currently using in the fridge. The rest will just put in storage. My favorite flavors are sweet cream and French vanilla. They are delicious and they taste like they have sugar in them, which we love. Make sure to get sweetened unless you like unsweetened creamers, in which case they have those as well. And they also just came out with a new oat milk. So I will add sweetened creamer to that. Blend it, is that the right word, with my little like milk frother thingy that I got on Amazon and it tastes just like a Starbucks sweet cream cold foam. So highly recommend trying their new barista oat milk as well as their creamers. You can use code ShePersistedPodcast at checkout for 15% off your order or use the link in today's show notes. So code ShePersistedPodcast for 15% off. Check it out. I promise you will enjoy and it'll just add a little more yumminess to your morning routine. Have you guys heard of Aura Rings? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there? I have one and I have mixed feelings because every single night I get terrible sleep scores because I get like one minute of deep sleep. Like this has happened multiple times. And I don't know if I should like email and be like, am I really sleeping this badly? Should I get a sleep it's, study or? It's, it's you're bringing up a really, really good point, but I don't, I don't know enough about how the technology or how the report goes, like what mm-hmm. it looks like to you. Do you see how much light sleep and deep sleep and REM sleep you get? Yeah, so total hours. Yeah, I will say that I feel like it's accurate in that I when I wake up feeling more rested, I do feel like the data reflects that. Mm -hmm. But I'm generally like the data shows that I'm chronically not sleeping well, which I think might be accurate. I just didn't have the data beforehand. But like last night, my total duration is bad. I'm exposing myself was seven (laughs) hours, 17 minutes. But I was only asleep for five hours and 38 minutes. And I was awake for an hour and a half in REM for an hour and a half, light sleep for almost four hours, and deep sleep for only 27 minutes. And then it'll like rate your percentages. Mm. And then it also shows your like little map thing. Yeah. And how does that, how does that relate to other nights that you, is that an average night or is that a more? Pretty standard. It's interesting because I feel like the percentages are all the same. Even if I'm sleeping for like 14 hours, which is insane, I'm still getting minimal deep sleep. Like 
This night, I slept for 10 hours and 35 minutes. I was in bed for 12 and a half hours, but I only got 27 minutes of deep sleep the whole Mm. night. So I'm emailing my doctor. I will follow up in a future podcast episode. But if you do like having the data and being able to see how different shifts reflect how you sleep, I definitely enjoy it. And if you like to track your steps and stuff, it's great because you don't have to like carry your phone with you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. I think it's it's definitely a personal thing. I don't like to track my sleep because Mm -hmm. like I said, kind of related to what I was saying about if you're awake in the middle of the night, it's better for me. I feel like it's better not to have any data or any mm-hmm. information. I don't want to know what time it is. Yeah. I, yeah. I trust my body and I trust that it will, if I hold the boundaries of my, my bedtime and I do all my sleep habits and I take care of my part mm-hmm. and my sleep will do what it needs to do. Yeah. But I, I know, I mean, I think it's, if, if you find that it doesn't make you anxious and it, it makes you track like, okay, I got this amount of deep sleep or I slept this amount. And I can tell, cause I, I cut off my caffeine at two o'clock instead mm-hmm. of having a Coke with dinner. Oh, I can see where it took me long. You know, you can, yeah. if it's helpful in that way, but I would also say that having a smaller amount of deep sleep is, is normal. It, it, mm-hmm. I mean, you definitely want to check in with your doctor, but we have more deep sleep at the beginning of the night mm-hmm. and less. I have noticed least, that. Yeah. Yeah. So you, usually you have a lot of deep, like deeper sleep in the first half of the night and the second half of the night is mostly REM and light sleep. If people are going to sleep later and they're having that really short window that they are asleep, are they still getting deep sleep where it's like they just skip to the REM part and miss that restorative sleep part? Heather, I think it's the combination of both, isn't it? Don't they miss out on some deep sleep and they also miss out on some REM dream sleep and at the other end? Is that yeah. is that I, right? I think mostly the answer is that you miss the part. I think mostly your brain clock is telling you what to do so that mm-hmm. you might have some deep sleep when you first fall asleep, but you're going to shift into REM and that early morning style of sleep yeah. more quickly. So you and feel so, the the deprivation all around. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah. That's interesting. It might be interesting with the tracker if it doesn't make you more anxious to isolate some variables and and make a few changes. If if there's anything that, you know, that we talked about or that you see in the book and maybe just don't change a whole lot of things and Mm -hmm. just sort of see like if I cut off caffeine or if I try to make my bedtime more regular, if I get like get morning sun, just see if you can like it would make me anxious to do it. I don't think I would do it. But if you're interested and you want to sort of experiment a little and yeah. then see is your, you know, are the percentages changing based yeah. on yeah. some shifts in, in your yeah. in your sleep habits. Yeah, I think it's the type A in me, but I like wake up and I'm like, I can't wait to see my sleep score. How did I do today? <laughs> That's great. But yeah, I do look forward to it. And it's also <laughs> like It's nice because it's not like you were saying the clock does stress me out, especially when I'm out of town and especially if it's like I have to be up early or like if I have a test in the morning and I'm like, I'm losing minutes, I'm losing hours, it's so late, it's so late. Whereas if you can't check your score, it won't give you a score until you slept through the night and wake up in the morning. So Mm -hmm. it's like you can't, yeah, mentally sometimes I'm like, oh, I really wish I would have started my bedtime routine earlier. I wish I was asleep by this point, Mm -hmm. but it won't really change anything unless you really make an effort to go Mm -hmm. to sleep. So if it's something that sounds like it wouldn't stress you out, I agree. It does. 
is interesting, but also I feel like doing an actual sleep study would be more accurate if you do have questions about your sleep. Yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. And we have in our book, we have chapter nine is called the sleep challenge. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a good place to do if you want to do a little experiment yeah. about different variables, like Julie was saying, to modify them, that there's a tracker there that you, okay, you know, awesome. it kind of like brings the whole book together. Mm-hmm. And it's, okay, you know, cool. you do like a seven or 14 day challenge. I will, I will do that. I will report back. Everyone follow on social media so you can see the updates because I love playing around with sleep. And, and it's definitely like this year, that was the biggest thing that I coming home for summer, I was like, I want to get better at this because I do notice that that's the biggest thing that impacts how I show up in my classes, what I have energy to do and how burnt out I get and how long it takes to get to that point. And I think that's true for a lot of teenagers. Like when yeah. your sleep is struggling, you just have a really short fuse and it's understandable because like you guys were saying it's like 12 hours a week of sleep deprivation if you're Mm -hmm. pushing your bedtime back later and later and you're still getting up early so it really is a universal experience in many ways what year are you i just finished my freshman year of college okay and how did you see your sleep if i can ask you one question how did you Mm -hmm. see your sleep change between high school and your freshman year so it definitely my high school wasn't entirely like the most not realistic but we were in COVID and so for the second half of junior year we didn't even have zoom classes it was just like you turned in assignments so there wasn't that structure senior year we did show up and have zoom classes but it was also like you could have your camera off you didn't have to be up and out of bed like the level of engagement wasn't totally there so I would say that going into college when I had a good structure of my classes, like you guys talked about, with having something in the morning that you get up for versus having a class at like 3 p.m. and there's no motivation before then to do anything. If I had that structure in place, I felt great about it because I could push my bedtime back earlier. It wasn't like I had after school activities that I was balancing, but getting at like 4 p.m., which mm-hmm. is really hard in um in high school. So I feel like it did get better. Mm -hmm. But I also noticed around finals that it was a lot more difficult to stay on top of the sleep schedule. Like I had a lot more cramming in college than I did Mm -hmm. in high school just based on the material and just volume of work that you're being tested on. But in general, I think the schedule allows you to optimize for exercise and eating more balanced and walking around campus and getting outside. I feel like that does allow sleep hygiene to be favored. But final season is rough for sure on sleep. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think you in college you have more control. In mm-hmm. high school you I feel like the thing is everyone else is is prioritizing your t- like everyone's pulling your time. Yeah. You've got so much obligation to other people and other it's almost like the grown-ups are kind of dictating the schedules. Yeah, yeah. And in college you have a lot more control, but you also have a lot more you have a lot of responsibility still. I was Totally. When we when we spoke at a college, I was it, it made sense to me when the students were saying that they're the most sleep deprived that they were was in high school. Yeah. Like towards the end of high school. Yeah. I, I have seen a lot of TikToks about this and I've also experienced it myself where you're like, how did I even manage to do yeah. that with waking up at 7 a.m., doing mm-hmm. eight hours of school, going to sports practice, still mm-hmm. doing homework, studying for a test, doing family dinner. Like it just doesn't feel humanly possible. Yeah. And I do want to say also like for college students that do feel like you're struggling with your sleep, it's very possible because there's less structure. There's, yep. You have that freedom. So it's very easy to get into a pattern of not sleeping, pulling all-nighters, going out a ton. But if you're prioritizing your sleep, it's 
simple to set yourself up for success. Like the, the foundation is there. You have the freedom with your time. You have the opportunities to do these habits throughout the day that you guys mentioned. And it's, it's realistic to implement. I feel like you could help us make sleep cool. I want to, I want to try. We're going to, we're going to do our best because I, I, I love sleeping. I, anytime I can sleep, I love napping. I love sleeping in. I am definitely a night owl, but I do love getting into bed at night. So it's, I completely agree with you that it's something teenagers need to be doing more of. And I wish it was more of an intentional priority uh, that they focused on. Yeah, that that sleep challenge on TikTok, I think, is the way to go. And we, I like want to do it because I can pull up the data and I'll be like, guys, this is what I tried yesterday. Here's what happened. So I'm definitely going to implement that, especially the week this episode comes out to to share all the tips. And I I I think it'll be fun to follow along with. Yeah, yeah. And teenagers want to. I think that this is the thing. We think that teenagers want to feel good and feel healthy, and they want to learn about their brains. So many of them are interested, and they really feel the difference. And they want to they want to feel healthy and they want to feel happy and energetic so yeah yeah and i just sleep is something you, you see the overnight difference it's not really a pun but you you notice immediately whereas like i feel like with if you're trying to exercise or you're trying to build a new habit it takes a certain number of times and routines and days to see a difference with sleep if you get a good night's sleep it's night and day you immediately feel better you have more energy so it's very reinforcing mm-hmm. yeah I love it's really true and you're more efficient yeah. you can get your work done you can study you can remember better so there's so many things that make you know, all that procrastinating and taking really long time to do things kind of really improves when you sleep well, you, you feel like your skin looks better, you, you, your relationships improve, because like you said, you know, you're not as short tempered, and you're, Mm -hmm. you see people in a more positive way, and you want to be around people. So all the things that teenagers are staying up late trying to achieve, they can actually achieve better and more efficiently yeah if they sleep well not only teenagers but young you're still in our target zone because you're you're a young yeah you're a young adult adolescence goes all the way to about 25 so yeah what are your guys's thoughts on the don't go to bed angry hash out the argument before you go to sleep I assume the answer would be absolutely not go to sleep recharge and then come back at it again but what's your thought on that I would what would you say Julie Oh, I would say, I mean, a lot of people cannot, would not be able to fall asleep if they're angry. Yeah. Yeah. So I I would say don't start talking about anything stressful for two hours before bed. So you don't get in a fight in the first place. Don't even say it. I'm in my one down routine. Just press pause on the conversation. I do that with my family. My, my sister is such, oh, such a night owl. Yeah. And she, if I would say to her, you know, call me at 11 and let's talk. And it's not anything terrible, but it could yeah. be some something, anything. You know, I'm just like I can't. Even talking do about it. the news, you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I just can't do it. And mm-hmm. she's learned, like she knows. I mean, That's she would so love fun. for me to chat with her in two yeah. hours, but I, I tell her like I can't talk about this, this thing because I won't be able to go to sleep because yeah, like, for I'm me it's just office, the littlest tiniest bit of yeah. <laughs> anxiety, and I can't fall asleep. It doesn't yeah. even have to be something huge. You know, it yeah. can just be tiny. So yeah. 
That's interesting. And I don't think I've thought about that before of like setting boundaries of like what conversations you're having, what content you're consuming. Because if you're just like texting your friends, you're like, oh, I'm relaxing. But it really does open the door to anxiety, to potentially ruminating about interactions and making it more difficult to fall asleep, which is a huge thing for teenagers. A hundred percent because the teenage brain is a socially wired brain. Yeah. And you yeah. are primed to wonder what other people are doing. And I, everyone of all ages is social, but especially teenagers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, we call it the sleep bubble in the book that you really want to create a bubble around your sleep. And it starts with that. That's why like saying goodnight to your friends an hour before you go to bed is really mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. If there is one thing that people could leave this episode and implement to improve their sleep, what would it be? Well, going back to what we said at the very beginning, I think if you just really trust your body and believe in your body and brain and know how capable they are of helping you sleep well and knowing how much sleep you need, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really great way to sort of think about it. Not like, oh, I have to do this, but my body wants to do it and it can. And I just need to clear the way a little bit so that my body can get the sleep it needs. And like, I think, you know, what you said about even just after a few nights of good sleep, the difference is so profound. Mm -hmm. And just give yourself that gift of feeling that way. Yeah. And even reframing and being like, I get to have this amazing break from stress, from thinking about homework, from going from point A to point B to point C, from worrying, like you get to have this time that you've carved out for yourself to relax, to get ready for bed, to sleep, to recharge, and then show up as a better version of yourself. I think that's a really simple like mental shift you can make that makes it more attractive almost to prioritize. Mm. Awesome. Well, where can people get your books, continue to follow along with your work, and consume your content? You So our, our website is thehappysleeper.com, and the books, we have The Happy Sleeper, and then our new book is Generation Sleepless, and those are available everywhere. And our social media is The Happy Sleeper. Awesome. And then you can start hashtag Generation Sleepless, the sleep challenge on TikTok. I will. I literally will. I love it. And I will make sure to link all of those things in the show notes. And if anyone wants to join me on the sleep challenge, it's going to happen. We can all that. improve our sleep Can't together. Can't wait to hear. Can't yeah. wait to hear how it goes. Well, thank you guys so much. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of She Persisted. If you enjoyed, make sure to share with a friend or family member. It really helps out the podcast. And if you haven't already, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also make sure to follow along at at She Persisted Podcast on both Instagram and TikTok and check out all the bonus resources, content, and information on my website, ShePersistedPodcast.com. Thanks for supporting, keep persisting, and I'll see you next week.